This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Morning Majlis podcast. The Morning Majlis, talking the stories that are shaping headlines. This is Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95, and a very warm welcome back onto the Morning Majlis. Now, a big news story emerged over the start of this week that the UAE has finally cleared the FATF grey list. Now, what is the FATF? It is the Financial Action Task Force, which says the grey list is for countries that have been identified for having strategic deficiencies in the systems for combating money laundering. Now, as the UAE has cleared. What does that mean? And to talk to us in greater detail about this, we are very kindly joined by Mr. Nishant uh, Muralidharan, who is the Executive Vice President, Head of AML ABC at Mashrik Bank. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Abdul Karim. Good morning, Rania. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on air with us to break it down for our listeners, for everyday law-abiding citizens of the UAE. What does this clearing of the grey list mean and how does it affect us? Uh, Thank you, Abdul Karim. The clearing of the FATF means a lot for the UAE. And and whilst an average person wouldn't hear much about what FATF means and Mm. so on and so forth, FATF is a global body that has set standards for all the countries to uh, aspire to and reach as a minimum standard in terms of what should be the regulations that should be set in and how effectively it has been put in place to combat financial crime generally. And if you don't fight financial crime, then that means that in the short term, there might not be that much of a pain except such uh, financial crimes such as fraud, for example. If you're defrauded, then of course you lose money and and you're not happy about it. Mm. But then there are much more longer term impact of fraud, which you may not feel that much. And that's one such example is uh, money laundering. Mm -hmm. So you might think that, oh, money laundering is something somebody else does. Usually it is is perceived to be a painless crime because one somebody believes that or oh, there's a crime happening in some other country in the world but the monies are being laundered through a country why should I be bothered mm. well you should be bothered in the long term because it'll have a massive impact in terms of the economy itself not being able to sustain such kind of things and on top of it it very badly affects the reputation of the country from a financial systems perspective and if the reputation is impacted then that automatically means that the country would slowly fall into a pariah status from a financial perspective and we have noticed that there are so many countries out there Mm. who are unfortunately suffering uh, the pains of broken economies thanks to the financial systems breaking down essentially. So when the UAE was put into the FATF uh, uh, grey list essentially which is about say about 15 to 18 countries uh, are there Mm. in the grey list. There's a couple of countries in what we call as a black list Mm -hmm. which is like really really bad Mm -hmm. Um, and this grey listing essentially means that there are certain structural deficiencies when you compare uh, the standards that the country has against what the FATF prescribes, and we call it immediate outcomes and effectiveness outcomes and so on and so forth, etc. Now, when the country was put into the grey list a few years ago, uh, even before that, the country had resolved to become one of the top financial centers of the world. This is a strategic objective of the UAE to become in the same league as New York, Japan, or so, Tokyo, London, etc. in the next, say, probably a, a decade or so. Mm. To reach there, you have to raise your standards because only then the big capital flows will come in and so on and so forth, etc. from a more long-term economic perspective. And the importance of this uh, was clearly uh, uh, demonstrated by the fact that the highest level of the government was involved in setting the strategy for fixing this issue. So the, the there is a higher uh, committee that was formed and chaired by 
His Highness uh, Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed, uh, mm. our foreign minister himself, and then there was one executive office that was set up coordinating actions of 90 plus uh, entities and departments all over the UAE to form what uh, to, to deliver what is known as an action national action plan. And what we see today is a culmination of all that hard work across the government agencies, across the private sector to fight against financial crime and develop our capabilities mm. uh, so that we as a country uh, is seen as a very trustworthy place to bring monies in and we do our businesses correctly. And most importantly, we don't want criminals amongst us. Mm. We don't want criminals in the country. I mean, who wants crime, right? Exactly. And, and the same thing is you don't want crime happening elsewhere else in the world also, even if it may not directly impact us. It's just not the right thing at all. Mm. So it means a lot for the country. It means a lot for businesses. It means a lot for you as well as me. Yeah, and continuing on that note, um, what is the progress of the national AML um, CFT system and how does it really help in countering emerging threats to our system? Oh, that's great. Uh, brilliant question. It's <laughs> I can probably speak about it for a week. <laughs> um, the National Action Plan has got a bunch, a, a lot of different capabilities. And at the core of it, maybe I'll break it down into, see, who are the key players in the whole system? You have financial institutions who move money. You have businesses who are being licensed by, for example, the Department of Economy and the various authorities, uh, like the, for example, in Dubai, it's the Dubai Economy Department and the Sharjah and every other free zones, etc. So what are the standards to which those uh, companies that are registered, how do they play their game? Hmm. Uh, and of course, you then have, all right, some bad stuff has happened and someone needs to investigate. So police, the mm -hmm. law enforcement, and then you've got the prosecution department, which is the Department of Justice, and then on to courts who have to actually uh, uh, conduct trials and, and, and issue fines as well as issue meet out punishment and so on forth, etc. So this entire system uh, uh, has been significantly upgraded over the last few years in terms of capability, capacity, etc. to understand what is financial crime and to effectively uh, fight against it. So the National Action Plan has resulted in all of this uh, being done. There's been a lot more fines that have been uh, meted out. Uh, a lot of bad money, criminal money has been confiscated. So just to give you a number, I think somewhere around 5.4 billion dirhams have been confiscated. Oh, wow. Yeah, between June uh, 2021 till somewhere around mid of 2023. And this number is only increasing. And has that been done by the the, 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 the task force that was the, that uh, was set up, uh, the National Action Plan plan that you had? In a sense, yes. I mean, I said like, the, the, the task force directly won't confiscate, mm. but it's the departments under them. So the Department of Justice, mm. after taking uh, cases through fair trial, would say that, you know, what this is criminal money it has to be confiscated because it should not be given so it has gone through the proper judicial processes of course you know we are we, we've hmm. there's there's a very clear structure of processes essentially um, and and that's what it does and by the way i, I should definitely call out uh, specifically the uh, the role that has been played by the regulators for example hmm. the central bank of the uae the ESCA, which is the Securities and Commodities Authority. Uh, then you've got the free zone authorities like the DIFC and the ADGM. And um, and of course, these authorities play a huge role because they are the, the regulated entities are under all of them, essentially. Mm -hmm. And all of this is managed by the executive office uh, to coordinate these action plans from an action, okay. action plan perspective. So now, my question is, how did you know? How did that grey list come about? For example, you know, for example, if when I set up a company account a couple of years ago, I had to prove my personal income. I had to prove if I have any background in a home, 
and I had to go through a long compliance. Given my name as well, <laughs> Abdul Karim was always in the in the, in the wonderful <laughs> list of happy people. So uh, I, I, I'd want to know of what how this whole system works. Oh, absolutely. So at the core of it is when you are trying, and now I'll probably get a bit more to the banking side mm. of things. Uh, when you are trying to open an account, the bank has to. Uh, satisfy certain regulatory expectations mm. and the bank has to actually become comfortable that they are onboarding somebody that they like and trust uh, yeah. or within their appetite as we call them. So this could be individuals or entities and what we do, we go through a process called KYC, it is yeah. known as know your customer and that then leads to performing what we call as CDD, customer due diligence and then where necessary, we'll actually go to the next step and do what we call as enhanced due diligence for the more higher risk customers, which we we have, we have various processes and we have got models that actually evaluate whether this customer is higher risk or so on and so forth. So as part of that process, it's not just about collecting your Emirates ID or your trade license. There's a lot more about how who you are, what are you about, why are you opening this business, or have you been running this business for a period of time? So these questions are all asked so that the bank can be comfortable that, okay, he is a good guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> and hence it goes through it. So that's a KYC process. As part of it, there's a very important piece called screening. Yeah. So the names of bad people all around the world, uh, which has been, you know, there, there's so many different authorities that issue uh, what we call a sanctioned names, essentially, or names that are of not interest. So for example, in the US, they have a list of what we they call as SDN, which stands okay. for Specially Designated Nationals. So if you find your name in the SDN list, that's really bad news. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you will be able to, all your money is more or in the US will be completely blocked. Uh, if you are elsewhere in the world, highly likely you will be thrown out of the system, essentially. Wow. Um, uh, and so on and so forth, et cetera. And similarly, the UN is the United Nations issues uh, names that are added to the list. Very few, but uh, uh, it's there. US, then you have got uh, UK issuing such lists, uh, names, and then you've got the European Union. And here in the UAE, our governments also have a process of uh, issuing lists, essentially. So there are names that go in. And what you see is uh, bad people like terrorists, non-terrorists, uh, the non-money launderers, non-criminals, etc. These names are all put in. Or, for example, sanctions. Mm. So we've got you know, Iranian sanctions, we've got Russia sanctions, we've got Venezuelan sanctions, and we've got various different sanctions regimes uh, that are operated by these various global uh, countries. So we have we do the screening process. Mm. So when you do the screening, and if Abdul Karim is unfortunately matching with another Abdul Karim in the list, we got to pause the process, right. ask you a few more questions, and ensure that you are not indeed the same guy as in the list. This causes a little bit of friction, yeah. but at the end of the day, it is to protect you, and it is to protect the bank, it is to protect the country, and it is to ensure that the financial systems remains resilient and clean. So I shouldn't take it personally. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely now, not. Now, uh, moving forward, um, I would like to know about, from your expertise or from your expert point of view, what steps can the UAE take in order for them to, or the country, to maintain its compliance um, with the international AML and CTF um, standards effectively? Are there any you know, areas of improvement, perhaps, um, or ongoing initiatives that the, the, the UAE should prioritize in order to sustain this positive trajectory in this regard? Oh, absolutely. This is not a done deal by any stretch of imagination. We've just crossed a step okay. and you got to keep maintaining it and improving it. Because if you kind of take the step off the gas, things actually could go bad pretty fast. Mm. And the reason for that is criminals don't stay at the same place. Mm. They keep evolving. 
they keep changing on a continuous basis yeah. and unless our defenses are constantly upgraded and improved and when i say defenses it's across the entire framework whether our laws are up to mark uh, is it is it relevant still whether our enforcement process are up to the mark our reporting process are up to the mark all of this needs to be constantly uh, attuned to the realities of what we face there so i mean I, I, there is no doubt about the fact that the uae given its uh, objective to become the top five financial center of the world has an absolute clear road map to continue on this path of keeping this uh, equal to and in fact it is a stated vision that they want to actually become one of the leaders in combating financial crime or aml cft in the world itself so they will continue to keep on focusing on every angle of it so they will continue to introduce new laws uh, that that is necessary and in, in tune with the times so just an example is you must have heard about there's a lot of uh, digital assets virtual assets mm-hmm. uh, that whole industry has uh, come up in the last few years um i don't think there is any other country in the world who has actually ish- come up with a regulatory framework to manage this at the level at which uae has done today we have wara in the in dubai vara so that's a virtual assets regulatory authority an authority has been set up i think about a year and a half ago yeah. purely to manage this and then you've got and and across the uae it is the esca and the central bank and the amount of guidances and the amount of regulations etc that has come on new things is just extraordinary in the last uh, 24 months or so mm-hmm. so the same pace will i'm fairly sure will continue focus uh, it's just about continuing on the same path uh, and constantly keep attuned as to what the risks are i mean the, the for example recently i was just reading an article i don't know whether you've heard about this but there's a new uh, the, the biggest fraud these days out there is pig butchering right have you heard about pig butchering no okay so it's it's uh, there are industries out there or factories that have been set up wherein people have been trafficked from poorer economies and the organized criminal gangs actually force them to create fake ids of uh, you know uh, women and so on and so forth etc and try and become friends through you with in, through facebook whatsapp etc oh, no. and then carry you through a journey of creating trust over a period of 2 3 4 months and then once you have made and these guys could be sitting somewhere in mexico or in probably wow. in myanmar or wherever mm. but they 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 impersonate themselves as being somebody else and become quite friendly to you over a period of time and slowly then introduce you to you know what i want you to make a lot more money i know that you're suffering here is an opportunity for you to make money and then they slowly introduce you into fake uh, um, fake websites where you start doing some trades etc yeah. you will end up making some money initially but that's all uh, uh, that's we'll stop all stop there yeah and then one day suddenly you put the large significant amount of money you see it. them completely gone pig butchering is become a massive issue uh, we hear that there is this factories that are operating out in myanmar uh, right and and people are trafficked from uh, nearby countries and they're forced to do this uh, in almost modern slavery kind of mode and the victims of this crime is all over the world you right. have people anywhere who's in facebook who's in whatsapp or any other uh, social media channels are essentially becoming victims now this is very new mm. and you well it's a new thing over yeah. here now we've all obviously heard of those telephone calls and the scams that <laughs> yes. take place um now i'd like to get the, get the banker's perspective for us we all know don't entertain them don't even answer their phones don't give them the uae pass mm. authentication and my biggest question was if they can access my uae pass how can they access my uh, other details etc so how are you know the bankers looking at this particular uh, oh. case uh, we always keep hearing about this yeah. and and we 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 know that many of these criminal gangs are even impersonating as banks to actually mm-hmm. get into yeah. your financial dealings 
it at the end of the day banks are doing everything that they can to protect the customer mm-hmm. so for example fraud when you are making a transaction uh, for example nearly 700 and up to 700 not in all banks but up to 700 different pieces of information is pieced together in milliseconds to actually evaluate whether this is a fraudulent transaction or could be or not we have got such kind of systems banks are running such mm-hmm. kind of literally live systems that is evaluating so we but then at the end of the day this is a fight that is never going to be perfect as in you're never going mm-hmm. to win every single part of it you might win you, we we prevent probably 99% of the fraud but at the end of the day the customers need to be educated mm-hmm. they have to be aware they have to know what is the minimum uh, hygiene standards that they have to follow in terms of not sharing their passwords never using mm-hmm. ue pass never actually answer calls from anyone who says so oh, this is calling from a bank please provide your emirates id number as well as your credit card number and your etc mm-hmm. or the ott number otp number etc yes, never sure. ever give so the key thing that i would say is to everybody who's listening please never ever give away the core information including otps credit card numbers etc please do not banks never do it we never call you to actually get any such numbers because we have got our own systems to and, and and channels uh, secure channels through which we communicate to you only answer to those right and um mm. you know throwing the role of technology into the mix um how do you believe um or do you believe you know there's certain um innovations or technologies or trends that could actually shape the future of AML and CTF initiatives in the country? Oh, it's a very topical question because one of the key reasons why I'm sitting here is <laughs> is because uh the AML CFT forum which is chaired by Mohammad Shalo uh, who's also the director of communications for the executive office of the AML uh, National AML CFT. Uh when he set up the public private partnership where he brought together i mean like the ppp committee brought together nearly 50 odd entities in the in the country and when i say entities is government entities like department of justice department of economy and so on forth public prosecutions of multiple emirates uh, and uh, the police law enforcement as well as representatives from private banks and what we call as dnfpbs which is the real estate sector and so on forth all of us were brought together and a forum was created and one of the things that mohammed decided to do is to create sub working groups to specifically focus on certain areas so we have a sub working group for IWT which stands for international wildlife trafficking mm-hmm. which is another area that I can talk for a long long time and uh, having born in Kenya uh, I kind of understand how critical this is uh, uh, to maintain it and the other one that was set up for me is the DWG the digital working group I chair the digital working group so I'm a member of the partnership forum but I'm also the chair so we came together as a group over the last 18 months uh, about seven or eight of us and we deliberated on various technologies that uh, that 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 is the latest as well as has got the future in front and we interviewed close to about 50 global experts all around the world to get their views and we have just about published uh, or prepared a document which shall be published next week in the public domain so you know please uh, look mm-hmm. out for the links and pdfs etc and it'll be really good if you can read them so uh at the end of the day, there is there is a lot of new technologies that we are we are feeling quite promising uh, one is called the perpetual kyc uh, which is like rather than asking you questions every 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 year and every 3 years etc we should know you without even asking you mm. <laughs> so there are various technologies to get that information without causing friction to you uh, but of course in absolute data privacy everything taken care of we see that there's a lot of uh, role to play for artificial intelligence and machine learning models in 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 continuously monitoring your activity 
uh, we believe that generative AI, which is the buzzword now, you know, open AI and so on and so forth, etc. Mm-hmm. Gen AI will have a significant role to play as as we go forward. And, you know, entities are starting to do certain proofs of concepts. And we just did a proof of concept just a few months ago. Uh, and we are quite uh, thrilled by what we were seeing. But it's a long journey away. But I must also say this. Whilst we are quite uh, uh, enthused about the role of technology, we are also worried that the criminals also have access yes, to the same technologies. Mm. And and if you ask me, like, what keeps me really, really awake at night, it's deep fakes. Mm. It's what? Deep, deep fake. Mm. So deep fake is where you can, uh, there are so realistic AI technologies where mm. you just put certain prompts in and you can actually create a complete uh, human being. Mm. Yeah. And I was just reading an article in Bloomberg a couple of days ago. Uh, somebody created uh, in a company's uh, in a, a company CEO impersonated as a CEO yeah. using AI and was able to fool uh, the finance head to actually result in transferring 25 million dollars so just imagine this you get a zoom call you log in and there is your boss the chief mm-hmm. executive officer saying hey hey Nishant how are you doing everything it's so realistic and the sound everything is perfect and tells you oh, by the way i'm right now here in this meeting and i you know we need to transfer this 25 million or oh, by the, and he gives all perfect information oh we are just doing this mm-hmm. mergers and acquisition we need to make this payment right now uh, and and they will have up to date information including oh we just talked yesterday and by the way how's your wife how's your kid wow but all of that is based on social engineering over a period of time somebody actually has been you know literally inside your systems and watching you for many months and then when the time is right they strike through deep fakes wow. i'm very worried about deep fakes it's a double edged sword big time and and then you have quantum computing coming mm-hmm. up uh, where whatever processing power that we have it's all going to be just a million x higher wow so yeah it's um, It's going to be interesting times ahead. There's more goosebumps for all of us as, <laughs> as we conclude that discussion. Well, Nishan, thank you very much for joining us and elaborating in terms of uh, the uh, the UAE clearing the grey list and also talking a little bit about the banking and, and technology to look forward to. One technology that, that, that I would look, look forward to is if they end a matching signatures because I, my signatures can never match. <laughs> and uh, they still are reliant on that, of course. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, we look forward to welcoming you back into the studio my pleasure. soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me here, Abdul Karim and Rani. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, more than happy to come back again. Thank <laughs> you, likewise. Cheers. L- Thank you. Lots of interesting conversations. And yes, if, you can, if you'd like to catch up with these, you can do so on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. Just search for Morning Majlis for this conversation. Stay tuned to Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 7 a.m.